Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Joining us is an um, amazing human being, award-winning filmmaker, uh, producer and co-writer of Till, which is an upcoming feature film focused on Till Mobley's story. We have, of course, Tanya Pinkett's here, who is part of the Women of the Movement. Let me welcome Mr. Keith A. Beauchamp. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Good to see you again, Karen. You too. You too. Thank you for coming back. Um, I, I feel many different ways um, today that we live in a nation where people don't have food, housing, water. Uh, these are the basics uh, that every human being needs. We're supposed to be the richest country in the world. Uh, we're battling over something called melanin. Like melanin is really, really, is this what we're doing? Um, that, that determines yes. people's worthiness to have food, shelter, water, really. And you're doing this 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 film, uh, and some would say, you know, doesn't everybody know who Emmett Till is? And they don't to this day. They still don't. Why is this? Why was this important for you to do? Well, um, it was very important for me to produce this film, and well, to create this film because of the fact of um, this is one of the promises I gave to the late Mrs. Mamie Till Mobley before she passed away. Um, a lot of people who are seeing um, the, the advertisements on the film now don't realize how long it's actually been in the works. Uh, Mother Mobley herself fought um, for many years, not only to get justice for Emmett Till, but to tell the story on a broader and bigger platform so the world could understand what transpired in 1955. In fact, in 1955 and 56, she was trying to produce her own movie on the Emmett Till story. But unfortunately, for 67 years, no one has been able to get a Till movie out to the silver screen itself. There's never been an Emmett Till movie? There's never been an Emmett Till movie in theaters, um, with the exception, uh, if you want to put though my documentary, The Untold Story, that went to theaters. But we're talking about a narrative film. So many people have tried to get this film made. Okay. So now it's, when will it um, premiere? We will premiere October 14th in theaters around the country, and then we have a broader release around the world um, around the 28th, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, you know, there's no story that speaks to more, speaks more to this generation and time than the story of Emmett Lewis Till. And we felt strongly that the story needed to be told now. And not to mention, it's an opportunity for me to actually pay homage uh, for us to pay homage to, you know, the, my great Shiro, my mentor and friend, the late Mrs. Mamie Till Mulder, which is very important for me to, to actually see her life resurrected on film and even on television. I mean, we have Tanya on there. To actually have both of these projects happening at the same time, it's a, a great, um, you know, a great way um, to, to reach many but it's also a very special time um, to really have this produced. 
866-801-8255. Carol and Bryant, that's who I'll call her. Uh, (laughs) The woman uh, who accused Emmett Till of doing something untoward that led to him being snatched out of that bed of his uh, Moses's home in the middle of the night and led to the two days of torture, beating, shooting, and then having that 75-pound fan wrapped around his little body and thrown into the Tallahatchie River. That woman, um, they were thinking about opening the case back up, which I thought would have been really appropriate <laughs> as I see Nazi uh, prison guards um, in their 90s being brought to justice. Absolutely. There's a, was it justice delayed is justice denied, right? She She did this. She did this. Um, so wh- what are your thoughts on that, Keith? Well, they actually reopened the case. I mean, think about it. Within a, this past year, although the federal government closed their case in 2021, um, we we were able to get the case resurrected, reactivated again after we found um, an outstanding warrant for Carolyn Bryant's arrest. Uh, myself and, and four other colleagues, members of the Till family and Actually, a criminal justice student decided go to go to the um, historic um, courthouse in Greenwood, Mississippi, and within an hour of us searching in the basement of the circuit court clerk's office, we were able to locate um, the outstanding warrant they had out for Carolyn Bryant's arrest, which was also included. Um, the names were included with J.W. Malum and Roy Bryant. And so we felt strongly that because we were able to locate this warrant, because remember, outstanding warrant such as this doesn't expire. And so we wanted the DA um, to follow proper procedure and execute the warrant, which was something they did not do in 1955 when it was first issued. And the only thing that I was able to find through my research about this warrant um, and to why it was never truly served was because of the fact that the law enforcement felt that Carolyn Bryant was a young mother with children to take care of. And so that was the only thing that we've ever seen on or ever heard on record. And so that warrant, even as we speak, is still an active warrant because it hasn't been rescinded. And of course, you may have heard that the, a grand jury was convened in early July. And unfortunately, they came back and passed another no true bill. So this is the second time that I've had this experience. The first was in 2007, when we were able to get the case reopened in 2004. And it went to a grand jury in 2007. The grand jury came back and refused to hand down indictments then to Carolyn Bryant, as well as one of the Black Phil Hans, who were forced to participate, Henry Lee Loggins. So the only person right now that should be held accountable for the kidnapping and murder of Emmett Till that we know of, and let me put that in there, that we know of is Carolyn Bryant Dunham because she was completely complicit in the kidnapping and murder of Emmett Till. But it's not, it's not happening. I don't think it's happening. Is it going to happen? I don't think it's, yeah. Well, one can only hope, you okay. know, people used to say to me all the time, the case would never be reopened. And of okay. course, I got the case reopened in 2004. So I thought that was going to be the, the greatest hur- hurdle to ever overcome. And also, you know, we can't control what the grand jury does. 
You know, I can only control, we can only control the evidence that is gathered and hand over those findings to the proper authorities to do their job. Now, will we ever see courtroom justice in the case of Emmett Till? I have to say um, it remains to be seen, although, yeah. although I've, you know, I don't have that much faith in the judicial system of the Delta of Mississippi. Now there's a long history with this. And this, I believe that it's the same exact system that befelled in the till in 1955 that allowed these perpetrators to go free. That system, unfortunately, is still in place. And that's no matter who's the DA, the color of the DA, or the color or the demographic of the grand juries, you're still fighting this Dixie crack system. Would you talk about that in terms of the fact that there's more elected officials in Mississippi, but nothing has changed? Well, I mean, yes, there's more elected officials in Mississippi, and we have had a lot of great success in prosecuting some of the cases from the civil rights era, but that still doesn't change the dynamics of the control of white supremacy in the Delta of Mississippi and throughout the, the South in general. So I can't just blame the state of Mississippi. Mississippi has its own problems. You see the whole water crisis is a whole racial issue that has been on everyone's radar for a long period of time. But unfortunately now it's coming out that just, there's a systemic issue of racism in terms of water, something that everyone should have a human right um, to, to be able to you know live with or to have. And so, we have a long way to go, not only in the state of Mississippi and in the South, but we also have a long way to go on a national level as well. So, you know, those of us who put in the work, those of us been part of this movement for some time, know that we're fighting, you know, we're, we're running a marathon. It's not a sprint. We're talking about a transgenerational issue that may take a, gener that may take a generation or two to fix, unfortunately. Do you imagine that when she's dead that they might prosecute her or do something posthumously? Well, Tanya, I mean, I'm not even looking to, towards that. I think it's our obligation to proceed um, and, and to continue to fight until everyone who participated in the kidnapping and murder of Emmett Till is brought to justice. There's no question about Carolyn Bryant's involvement in the kidnapping and murder. It's because of her that Emmett was not allowed to live his life. And this year he would have been 81 years old. It's all because of her. She has just been truly, I should not say truly, but she has been actually protected by the same system of 1955 and allowed to invade justice for so long. Think about this in this manner. Laymen and I'll put myself in the layman position, right? Went into the courthouse and did something that the local authorities and the DA did not do, which was to locate a document, an authentic document, the original arrest warrant, which also included the affidavit that proves probable cause, as well as other items that's a, that was very important 
to show the culpability of Carolyn Bryant and why she should actually be indicted for the kidnapping and murder. We didn't even get an indictment from a grand jury. So people people have to question that, you know, why was an indictment even handed down? Yes. We're talking with Keith Beauchamp. Is Am I saying that right? Beauchamp? That's right. You okay. have it. Uh, New Yorker. Uh, he is an award-winning filmmaker. His film, Till, is coming out in October. Tanya, have you seen it? No, I haven't. Okay. Um, I wanted to know what you know. You're a New Yorker. Tanya's from Chicago. I'm from New Jersey. You spent time in Mississippi. Tanya said you were the reason why she was able to navigate Mississippi. How much time did you spend there, and what do you know about Mississippi? Mississippi, by the way, has the largest percentage of black people of any state any state in our union. Texas has the largest physical population of black people with almost 4 million black people. But Mississippi has the largest percentage, followed by Louisiana, Georgia, Maryland. Well, what, what do you know about Mississippi? I'm originally from Louisiana. So, you know, although I've lived in New York City because of my professional career, I'm still a Southern boy to the heart. You know, um, Mississippi for me is my second home. Um, Most of my work, the body of work that I've created um, throughout the years have been based on a lot in Mississippi because I felt that Mississippi itself, in particular the Delta of Mississippi, is ground zero for the civil rights movement. Most of our movements were sparked in the Delta of Mississippi from not only the civil rights movement, but also the black power movement. Stokely Carmichael, the first time he ever uttered the words black power that we heard that coined phrase came from the uh, protest that was led in Greenwood, Mississippi. So in essence, I always say this, If things doesn't change in the state of Mississippi, we won't see change around the country. And that's unfortunate to say, but that's what I believe because a lot of the social ills, the lot of the political turmoil that we're seeing, a lot of that stuff came out of the state of Mississippi. So this is why I continue to educate people about the things that transpired in Mississippi because it had its ugly history, just like most of the South, but there's a lot of great things that have occurred there. A lot of, you know, movers and shakers of the movement came from there. And I think, you know, if we're able to educate ourselves about this past history and about where we at even today, we can make change happen. But now we're dealing with new generations of folk who don't even educate themselves about the simple things of the civil rights movement. So now we have to educate and re-educate those once again. 866-801-8255. Keith Beauchamp is here. Uh, Tanya Pinkins, they both, uh, Keith has a movie till Tanya was in Women of the Movement, which I didn't want to watch, but I could not not watch it because Tanya is part of the family. And then it was so hard to watch knowing the outcome, but all of the backstories that we didn't learn anywhere. You know, we learned that he got thrown in the Tallahatchie River. We learned that he was basically lynched. But all of the stuff that led up to it, it was so important to see. What are we going to see in your film that we haven't seen before, Keith? Well, you know, that's a great question. You know, uh, Women's in the Movement did a great job 
of telling the story, but our the storytelling that we're the story that we're telling is all through Mother Mobley and you know her journey to seek justice for her son. A lot of people don't realize, and I like to throw emphasis on on the age of Mother Mobley. She was 33 years old at the time. I was able to work with her for eight and a half years until she unfortunately passed away. So I only knew the, the more polished Mamie Till Mobley. So to be able to be a part of, of, of a project like this and being a co-writer, I had to get into the head of a 33-year-old woman mm. who became an unintentional activist. And who, and I want people to understand this, in the window of time of growth that she had to make within herself, because think about it, from the murder all the way to the trial in 1955, that's all within a one month window. So all this stuff is happening to her at one time. So she's fighting every ism that existed at that day, on, during that day. And so it's a film that is paying homage to our Shiro, Mother Mobley, and it's told through her eyes. And I think it's a powerful way um, of telling this story. And I have to tip my hats off to our director, Chinoya Chiku, who's at the helm of this, who had the vision to tell the story in this way. And we all came, you know, fell in sync uh, with her idea of telling the story um, that hasn't been told in this manner before. So I, I'm just very excited. And I'm sorry, Karen, because I'm very excited and emotional at the same time because it's bittersweet for me. I've been working for 27 years to get this story on the big screen. And so it's finally happening. And it's happening at a time where Emmett's death, his murder, and the actions of his mother, as well as the political and racial backdrop that we're in, it's not so far distant or different, I have to say. How, mm. how, how much money um, did you have to raise? How difficult was that? Well, MGM is our studio. We didn't do fundraising ourselves for the film. It's not an independent film. Um, MGM came in to save the day to make sure this film is going to get made and, and get the audience that it deserves. And so I'm very happy about that. Did you also do the Sundown uh, documentary, Sundown Town? Yes, I did. Okay. Absolutely. Chef's Kiss to you. Files. Yes. <laughs> Chef's Kiss, Chef's yes, Kiss. Yes, Uh Let's go to the phones. 866-801-8255 is the number. We have uh, Keith Beauchamp on. Uh, let's go to Kenneth in Texas. Welcome. Hi. Uh, how you doing? I'm good. Um, well, uh, I, w I had a question about... Um, the the kidnapping of Emmett Till. I thought kidnapping was a federal offense that could be prosecuted by uh, you know the federal government as opposed to just having to wait on the state. That's a good question, and I, I thank you for asking that. Unfortunately, at the time in 1955, because we can only go by the laws of that day when the murder occurred, right? Um, there were no statute um, kidnapping statute at the time that could have prevented. Uh, mm. could have helped Emmett Till's case. Now, mm. there was an argument to use the Lindenberg statute of that time um, of the Lindenberg kidnapping case. But unfortunately, Emmett wasn't taken over state property by interstate transportation. 
He was mm. only, you know, kept in the state itself and kidnapped. So that couldn't unfortunately work. And then you had a whole wall of, of statutes that we had to deal with, like civil rights violations of 1955 only held a five-year statute of limitation. So we could not retroact these laws in order to benefit um, the case of Emmett Till. But we were able to work around it. We got the case reopened in 2004, and it's been reactivated two other times since. And so um, if the question is, can the federal government do something about this? I believe yes. Um, just like any other case, they've always found a way to um, prosecute those who were participants to a murder or if they felt the need and had the interest of getting involved with a state issue case, they would. And so I have to, I can't, I cannot stress that enough. Yes, the, you know, federal government could possibly find an end so that we can lay this all to rest. Why did it have to get opened so many times? I keep asking myself this all the time because the evidence against Carolyn Bryan is nothing new. In fact, the evidence of 2004, which is my evidence that I gave to the federal authorities, um, had all the information that needed that was needed to show the culpability of Carolyn Bryan. I think where we're hitting a brick wall is keeping this case in the hands of the state and the local authorities. Because if you think about it, the most corruption that we see, of course, people will argue, oh, yeah, the federal government, you get corruption there, you know. But the most corruption that we're gonna continue to see is on the federal and local level. And so I don't know, and I don't believe up South or even down South that we could find a grand jury that could make a decision to indict Carolyn Bryant. And I'm gonna say this for a reason. If Carolyn Bryant was indicted, she would be the first white woman ever indicted for a civil rights murder from the civil rights era. Now, being from the South, we all know what the, the white woman stands for, the sanctity of white supremacy. Mm -hmm. So people looking at us fighting an individual, we're not fighting, I wish it was that simple. We're not fighting an individual. We're fighting a white supremacy system. And so I, I have to hold on hope that change could happen. I have to hold on hope that more evidence would come forward so we could finally indict her. Yes, the case is closed now currently. Yes, a, a grand jury made this decision to not indict Carolyn Bryant, but the case is not over with yet. It's not until she's in her grave, and I hate to put it that way, that we will begin, we will begin to see the sun set. But as she continues to live, we're going to continue to work forward, I mean, look forward and work hard to make sure that justice prevails in this case. Uh, Deborah in the chat and, and Nubia wants to know how you maintained your composure. How'd you keep your emotions in check during this film? It's Wellness Wednesday, by the way. Oh, wow. that, that was kind of the hardest things I'm caring to do is to sit on set and watch um, this film come to life. Even when Tanya was shooting her film, um, you know, Mothers of the Movement, I mean, Women of the Movement, even watching that come to life, 
um, you know, and reading the articles and things of that nature was pretty hard. And it's, for me, it's bittersweet. This is something, as I said, Mother Mobley wanted to see happen when she was here. And we have lost a lot of these people, sheroes and heroes along the way who were intricate and a part of the Emmett Till story, who were family members of Emmett Till. From Mother Mobley to Simeon Wright, we lost these great people along the way. And now the films are coming out at a time where it's, I feel that is desperately needed. And so it's kind Simeon of bittersweet. Died? I'm sorry? Did you say Simeon died? Yes, Simeon passed away in 2017. Actually, when we got the case reactivated, right after the case was reactivated in 2017, he passed away. Who so, was with us on tour then? There's still one person who was alive that was there that night. Reverend Willa Parker, you're speaking okay. of. The got cousin it. of Emmett Till who traveled with him to Mississippi. And Reverend Parker is the last of the witnesses from 1955 next to Carolyn. So it's only two people still alive, and I'm going to stress this, that we know of. Carolyn Bryant Dunham and Reverend Willer Parker. Mm. Well, listen, your your tireless efforts, this is what it requires, that consistency, that persistence, the passion, Keith Beauchamp. Uh, we will be supporting this in October when it comes out till the film. Thank you so much for being back here. Appreciate you immensely. Thank you so much. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.